Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Behavior Bites series of the Core Parenting Conversations podcast. This is my second time writing this series, which covers common challenging early childhood behaviors in bite-sized episodes with the focus on understanding why this behavior is happening and how to respond in a helpful way. Today, our focus will be what I just call for a lack of a better term, (laughs) car fights and other predictable sibling fights. And I literally mean the sibling spats that happen while you're driving in the car. Now, what do I mean by predictable? Well, so often when we get overwhelmed, we like to speak in absolutes or exaggeration. Our brain just naturally turns off that logic and we tend to make blanket statements. They always, they never, it's constant. I never know when it's going to happen or I never know what will set them off. When we are overwhelmed, stressed, feeling defeated, or maybe even annoyed, aggravated, disgusted, worn out by our child's behavior or the current situation, all of these situations definitely feel true. But we're talking with our feelings. It feels constant. It feels unpredictable. It feels like we can't predict when it's going to happen. But so often when I'm talking with parents who are saying these things, or even when I'm saying these things, I definitely catch myself saying this, thinking this way when I'm just overwhelmed, stressed out, or just burned out, quite frankly, of dealing with the same behavior over and over and over again. My trick is to myself or whomever I'm talking to is challenge these assertions to help uncover patterns or recognize that there are certain times where they are more likely to happen. And oftentimes, parents are subconsciously attuned to that because we feel ourselves tensing up or maybe we start walking on eggshells trying to sidestep the landmine so we don't step on anything and and cause an explosion, right? There is some ability to predict when it's going to happen. We sense it coming on or we know this is a challenging situation. And one of those very predictable times for a lot of families is in the car. So I'm going to talk about how to handle it when it happens in the car. But if you don't experience car fights on the regular, stick with it because the process is going to be the same. And then I'm going to take a really quick example of another time of day, another routine that's I hear very often 
so that we can kind of apply the process and maybe you can take this and apply it to whether it be a bedtime struggle or morning time or mealtime struggle because it's really a way of thinking and a way to get curious and a way to uncover solutions instead of just becoming entrenched in the problem or the behavior. So car fights. Whether it's they want to listen to opposite things or they want their own space or one wants to talk and the other one wants silence. (laughs) And then the tantrums. And the one thing about car tantrums or freakouts and fights is they feel so urgent because we're all trapped, which can quickly escalate the situation. I mean, literally, when you back an animal in a quarter, in a corner, right, they're more likely to attack. So when you feel strapped in and trapped in a car, we're going to probably be more explosive. (laughs) It's going to escalate a lot faster. And when they're intense, that sense of urgency can be very legitimate because it is distracting. It can be dangerous when we're trying to drive. So let's just normalize that. It's not just you. There's nothing wrong. You're not overreacting. There's a lot of different layers there. We just need to acknowledge it and normalize it a bit. So what do we do? I'm going to give you some pointers on what to do when an inevitable car tantrum or car fight starts. But first, I want to point out some proactive steps to take because if we can decrease the frequency or intensity of some of these circumstances, we will help build a skill set for our children and decrease everyone's general feelings of stress around this time or this event or this routine. The first thing is plan ahead. Plan for the fights ahead of time, which essentially means plan for the needs. Do the children need a snack when they get in the car? Is it a low blood sugar issue when they get out of school? Does one need quiet and one enjoy music? They just decompress a little differently. Do they need space? Are they just sitting too close or maybe uh, they need more space for their arms or I don't know. I mean, some kids are just, they have bigger bubbles, so to speak. And how do we figure this out? Like what, if we're not even aware of what the main issue is, how do we figure it out? Instead of just focusing on the behavior, right? The name calling, the hurtful words, the physical aggression, the screaming, all of those things, which I get are very attention getting. And so that's often what our focus goes to. But instead of focusing on that, what are they complaining about the most? What happens right before they explode? Get curious about those things that lead up to the really challenging behavior instead of jumping into labels or absolutes and just becoming entrenched in that behavior. Then, and you can do this with two and a half year olds, three year olds, does not have to be a fancy conversation, okay? We're not having like a (laughs) a heart-to-heart analytical conversation with our three-year-olds. We're having a really natural, casual conversation about, hey, I noticed when you, you seem to really want quiet in the car. And if I'm talking to a much younger child, I might say, do you want quiet or do you want music? I'm going to keep it very simple. I'm going to give them limited choices just to help them express themselves a little bit more, maybe get a little more information from them. And I'm doing this outside of the car, outside of the heat of the moment. 
And if they're a little older, then I'm going to start going into, you know, more nuanced problems that I've noticed, which is I noticed you really went quiet in the car on the way home from school, but your brother really likes listening to his podcast. And then I just pause. I haven't even asked a question yet, but I want to pause here and just give them a chance to respond. Maybe I'm way off base. Maybe they need to correct me because believe me, they will if I'm way off base. Or we're at least inviting the conversation around after school car rides. And maybe you get some in the moment, some more information in the moment. And maybe we've just got to pause and wait and plant the seed and come back to it when they're ready. If they're willing to talk to you, you can collaborate on potential solutions such as noise-canceling headphones or headphones for the sibling, favorite soothing music before the podcast, figure out which order you're going to listen to it, how much time do you have on the drive home, or listen to a book on audio that everyone enjoys, perhaps a verbal game to keep everyone engaged. We play Would You Rather, we play rhyming games. I used to, when I was a nanny, I made up this game and it's probably, (laughs) I probably didn't make it up, but we called it the rainbow car game. And the kids were probably like four or five years old by the time we were playing this. So we had to find one car in every color of the rainbow and in order that made it even trickier. So you don't have to play it that way, but that was just something fun because I, when I was a nanny, I would drive these kids like 40 minutes every day, at least to and from school and after school activities. So just simple games like that. I mean, the alphabet sign game is something we played on road trips when we were children. So maybe it's just totally switching gears there um, and engaging their brain in other ways. If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month-to-month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on-demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. Now, of course, some of these or none of these may work for your family and your children, right? Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's resources that they have or what their routine is, is different. But these are just some workable examples I've used in the past for my family and my clients. You can totally come up with your own, and I hope you do, based on your own reflection and your conversation with your children. And if you come up with some ideas, be prepared to bring in some backup ideas when these will work one day and then don't work another day, right? Sometimes it's really hard (laughs) to know because every day is a little different. 
During routines around the car, such as drop off or pick up at school or other common activities, I like to address this, the situation, the plan in the car before we get in the car. So if I walk in to get them while we're walking out to the car, if I'm picking up in car line, it's kind of the first thing that I address and just kind of run by them very quickly. And that might sound like, hey, bud. So I greet them. I become fully present with them. And as we're walking to the car, I'll say something like, are you feeling like you want to listen to a book or just have quiet today? That allows us to work through any disagreements and get settled before I get behind the wheel and start to drive, which is when we feel trapped, which is when it's just that much harder to stay regulated in the moment. And now I've done this for so long because my I've shared in the past for a while, my five-year-old was just letting loose in the car every day after school. Now he actually initiates the conversation when I pick him up from school every day. He wants to, he does the inventory, I call it. He wants to know what I have for snack for him because we go and sit in a pickup line to pick up his brother for like 20 minutes. So I always have a snack packed. He can eat that while we're parked in the pickup line waiting. So he takes inventory of the snack. I ask him, do you want to listen to music, your podcast or a book? And we kind of make a plan for that time in the car and he knows what to expect and he feels empowered to help ease that transition from his school into the waiting time to getting his brother and going home. There are other variables that may affect a child's regulation in the car. Are they uncomfortable due to the motion sickness or the car seat? Is this a difficult transition to a place that maybe they may be nervous about? Or my kids sometimes like amped up on their way to like a birthday party or something like that. (laughs) Or do they have some underlying anxiety around where they're going or what they need to do when they get there? Have they had a lot of opportunity to move for that day? Are they kind of squirrely and have some pent up energy or aggression from that day? Are they leaving an overstimulating environment? And then absolutely just spiraling and crashing in the car. That last one happens to us after eventful days at school, the first day back after a break, or (laughs) like a birthday party. It's just like this major release of after a big adrenaline rush throughout the day. Since I've noticed this trend in my children, I try to be super conscious of my actions when I pick them up. Strong connection as I pick them up and get them in the car, quiet car, and I often let them initiate the first question or conversation and include the snacks, cool drinks, and no errands to pick up, especially, again, if I anticipate today might be a particularly tricky day because it's our first day back from break, for example. And if it's one of those days where I can kind of sense it coming or it does feel kind of predictable and I'm really on my A game, I'll even plant the seed of what pickup will look like at the breakfast table. Hey, when I pick you up, what do you want to listen to? Do you want to listen to that new podcast? But despite all this thoughtful planning, sometimes car tantrums are inevitable. At some point during parenthood, despite our best efforts, sometimes car tantrums are inevitable. At some point during parenthood, despite our best efforts, they're going to happen. And remember, the number one job of adults is safety. 
So if you can call upon your tools to keep yourself regulated, breathing, mantra, self-compassion, then do it. If you can do it and drive and stay regulated, more power to you. If you find yourself becoming extremely dysregulated, or maybe your child is unbuckling and becoming unsafe, then pulling over may be the only answer. Remember, the goal of the proactive steps is to decrease the likelihood of this emergency situation spiraling to this intensity level. So this isn't a daily response. We're not having to pull over all the time. But When we zoom out and we see the big picture, safety is the number one priority, as inconvenient as it may be sometimes. So to wrap up this episode, this Behavior Bite episode, I want to take the idea of the specific example of the car tantrums and zoom out a bit to demonstrate how we can identify other typically stressful times in our day and be proactive about them. For example, witching hour. And I don't even necessarily mean infants, although it certainly can, (laughs) because that's when it starts. But I get a lot of questions for epic explosive dynamics between preschoolers and toddler siblings, which notoriously happen just as a parent is trying to accomplish something. The most common example I receive happens around 4.30 p.m. towards the end of the day while mom is trying to prep for dinner and get into the bedtime routine. Of course, this is an overwhelming time. We parents have a lot to get done. Our kids are starting to become unglued because it's the end of the day. (laughs) So my advice to parents is to reflect on the dynamics of the time, not the behaviors, not the bickering, not the aggression, not the screaming, but the potential challenges that occur during this time. Is it constant sibling fights? Is there a way to engage them separately? A special activity for one, a helping activity for the other? Are there tabletop activities they would really enjoy that can be reserved for this time? And I would bring my kids into the kitchen table so they were that much closer to me while I was doing dinner prep. Or one child at our counter, one child at the table. Does your family use screen time? Could this be intentionally built into the routine? Or could dinner prep be done at a different time? I remember with like an infant who had witching hour and a toddler, I would have to do a lot of dinner prep before that hour because if I waited, it just kind of blew up very quickly. Of course, this time and options look different for every family. So if none of these fit for you, that's okay. Spend some time in curious observation Look past the behavior and seek out the underlying issues that could lead you to some creative solutions. And don't give up. Just because one potential solution doesn't work doesn't mean that nothing will. I know it's so easy to slip into that mindset where you're inundated with challenges on a daily basis. But when we focus on the behavior and always or never, we really back ourselves into a corner and take away potential solutions. And if you feel like you've tried a bunch of different things and nothing has worked, sometimes an outside perspective from safe, wise people or person can be great counsel. I certainly have my network of other like-minded friends and experts who I reach out to when I feel stuck on my own family dynamics. And if you don't have anyone like that in your life or you just want more of this, that's why I created the core community. I wanted to give people access to that kind of support and information and encouragement and knowledge and creativity 
for the ever-changing and evolving challenges and celebrations of parenthood. To learn more about joining CORE, visit www.kayleekukla.com backslash CORE, C-O-R, and you can head to the show notes for that link if you just want to click. That's it for today's Behavior Bite episode. If you found this episode helpful, please consider writing a review, leaving a rating, or sharing with a friend. This helps spread our message of respectful parenting and cycle breaking, which I know can change the world one child at a time, one family at a time. So thank you for being here and listening. I am so, I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you. Have a wonderful week and join us next time for two more Behavior Bite episodes.